Our scripture reading today is going to be from the, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. You can have a seat. Yeah, you can have a seat. <laughs> 10, verse 10. It's a short one for us today. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Katie, and I am one of the pastors. I mostly hang out online and on the, at the Melrose campus, but I'm very glad to be here today with you and very glad to be able to share with you about our topic of hobbies. And I can already feel I'm going to need to take this off, so I'm just going to go ahead and do that. All right. I checked in with Laura. I was like, Lord, do you preach with sleeveless shirts? I just want to be sure because... I feel like that would be better for me. Um, okay, so good morning. Uh, uh, I've heard that you're interactive, so there is going to be an interactive portion of the sermon. I will let you know when we get to that. It will be a que- in the form of a question. But before we get too far in, in honor of Pastor Wayne and his work here at Greenwood, I want Greenwood. I wanted to start with a couple of jokes. Okay. So the, the, actually, this is an interactive part. So I tell a joke and you all laugh. Okay, very good, excellent. I, I love it. Okay, here we go. I used to like origami, but I gave that up as there was too much paperwork, and I hate paperwork. Very good. Every day, I spend a few hours on a running machine. Next week, I might even turn it on. All right, we're continuing this week with our Press Play series. This sermon series has challenged us to engage in those practices of play and humor, rest, simplicity, and solitude. And all of these things seem at odds with our culture of hustle and bustle and doing and achieving. And yet the Bible says that Jesus came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. I hope that you're being reminded through this summer and through this series that we are called to more than just surviving. Uh, People would ask during the pandemic, how are you doing? I'd be like, I'm surviving. Because that was the best that, best available to me in that moment. And, you know, to be honest, surviving sometimes feels like the new thriving. But in this summer of 2022, as we take a breath, as we press play, I hope that we are reminded that an abundant life is more than just survival, that we can step off that treadmill of life at times. Our topic today is hobbies. Now, by definition, hobbies are something that we do for enjoyment in our leisure time. At their best, our hobbies give us the chance to express our creativity, to connect with others, and to exercise our power of choice because no one is making us do it, right? I get to choose, I get to decide how I spend that leisure time. At the same time, though, our hobbies can have, I won't say a dark side, but they can go a little sideways sometimes because I don't know about you, but sometimes I am, I have been known to use my hobbies as a way to escape the world, to escape my responsibilities, or as just another way to prove my own worthiness. So our goal today is to appreciate 
to name and to embrace the healthy parts of our hobbies and to learn to acknowledge when they might be going sideways. So this definition of hobbies is that there are activities done for enjoyment in one's leisure time. And of course, the research says that there are four kinds of hobbies. There are physical hobbies, dancing, yoga, running, things to get out of our mind and into our bodies. There's also cerebral hobbies, crossword puzzles, Sudoku puzzles, a way to activate a different part of our brain in concentration. Then there's creative hobbies, writing, photography, painting, singing, music. These are uh, about the process, about creation, and not just about doing something and completing something. And then the fourth kind of hobbies are community service, so like tutoring, working at a, a, a soup kitchen, volunteering at church, things like that. Now, so one of the studies has shown that people who have hobbies have, now this is the sales pitch, right? Better physical health, they get more sleep, lower stress, happiness, more friends, improved work performance. I mean, who wouldn't want a hobby, right? And yet these are the byproducts of hobbies, right? But by definition, they're not the end. So we, we think about means and ends. Like a hobby like, is just to enjoy it. That's the end, just enjoy it. All of these other things are just kind of byproducts. We don't do a hobby just so that we can have happiness. We have happiness when we do our hobbies. So it's, hobbies are about pleasure and they're an end in themselves. As soon as I start doing my hobby, I'm doing the thing, right? I'm just doing the thing. Doing my hobby is the main goal. It's less important about when or if I finish. It's just about doing it. It's just about engaging in the practice. So that is something important that we'll keep in mind about hobbies. All right, so the challenge of starting a sermon with a topic and not a text is that when you go to the Bible and look for hobbies, there is not a lot there. <laughs> In fact, there's one example that I found. Uh, it's not that people don't fish and build and sculpt in the Bible. It's just that they're doing it for food and for income. They're not doing it just because they've got a ton of leisure time. Hobbies are actually a recent invention uh, that happened with the 40-hour uh, work week and with the, they, they kind of rise, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. It's not that there's not a work hard, play hard uh, ethic in the Bible. There is a strong sense of that. In fact, the ancient Israelites, they have the Sabbath off. They are not in the Roman, when we get to the Roman days, they're not in, they're not recruited by the Roman army because they're not going to march on, on the Sabbath. So they're not going to be good soldiers, sorry. So there's a good, there's a strong work hard, play hard ethic in the Bible, but it's in the Sabbath and it's also in the festivals where God says, take one or two weeks off and just throw a party. The ancient Israelites enjoy music and dancing and poetry as part of their festivals when it's, part, it's built into the rhythm of their lives. Now, the closest approximation that I found to a hobby is with David. David's occupation was being a shepherd, but he also has gained a reputation for playing the harp or the lyre. And we have this ancient 
Uh, we studied ancient history in our uh, homeschool this year. We are not homeschooling next year. And so we have this picture, this ancient uh, picture of the lyre. The lyre is often translated as harp. So we have this story in 1 Samuel 16 about how King Saul is getting headaches. And so he asks his slaves to find him someone who plays the harp, and not just who plays it, but who plays it well. And they get David to come, and David comes, and he plays the harp when Saul gets a headache, and the headache goes away. Beautiful story. That's the only example that I could think of. And I asked my husband, who is a biblical studies person, and he, that was the one. We just couldn't come up with any others. So. But let's talk a little bit about hobbies in our lives. And this is the interactive part. Are you ready? Okay, so what are your hobbies? What are things that you do in your leisure time activities? Yeah. Volleyball. Volleyball. Good, that would be an athletic one. Very good. Sports cars, do you watch or race or? Sports cards. Sports cards. I thought you had like a racing hobby. All right. Sports cars. All right. Sports cards and cars. Very good. Collecting. It's a good, good hobby. All right. Okay. Collect. Is he still? My, yeah. My son, this is off topic and off script, but my son is convinced that like, if he saves enough things, something is going to be valuable. I'm like, buddy, that's kind of hoarding. And like, no, that is not, I assure you, that, that booklet on Chattanooga that's been driving around with us for five years is not going to be valuable. He is also a coin collector, so he comes by, he's, he, he has that in his mind. Any other hobbies? Golf, good. Reading a good book. Reading a good book, yeah. I'm hearing cerebral, physical activities. Very good. Sewing, who said sewing? I sew too. We can talk later. I will not. Uh, yeah, that's it's a little bit too interactive if I start having an in-depth conversation. Well, one of my hobbies is actually sewing, and uh, I came to it, I, my, I sewed with my mom when I was little, and then I just put it away for a while. Uh, in 2014, at the beginning of the year, uh, January, February, I was a part-time professor, college professor, and by August, I was a stay-at-home mom in a new city, and to be honest, I was totally overwhelmed and exhausted. Actually, I, I was... I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and my two-year-old alternated between like severe separation anxiety and then also just wanting to run away from me because his icon was Curious George, the monkey who runs away and never gets in trouble. And like we did indeed ban the monkey for a while because it was like, you cannot run away from me and you need to stay with me. And then just the the realities of a newborn, like that short cycle of feeding, diapers, dishes, meals, naps, bedtime, rest repeat, nighttime feedings, and they merge into one endless playlist of exhaustion. I would finish one cycle and begin the next, and I just, I could not get out of that because I couldn't get ahead. There's no getting ahead when the cycle is like that intense. Um, 
I don't remember the exact sequence of events, but we were reading the corduroy books, and I thought it was like close to Christmas time, and I thought, wouldn't it be adorable to have a little corduroy to read with us while we read the corduroy books? And I didn't like the ones that were available online, and it was like late December, it was like probably the 20th of December or something. And so I pulled out my sewing machine that I had gotten at a yard sale, and I made this. I made a set of overalls for my Build-A-Bear. And I was so happy with the result. I just kind of lost myself in cutting and sewing and measuring and I had to make the pattern myself, but it was this combination of creativity and accomplishment and using part of my brain that had been lying dormant. And that was kind of when I started to sew more regularly. And I also found that in my group of friends that I had made, they liked to get together and sew. I'm like, I was born for craft nights. Like, we just go and we bring a craft to work on. It was just, it was a connection, it was creativity. So hobbies have given me a creative outlet and a sense of accomplishment at times when I have really just needed that sense of myself. Um, this past week, I did an informal and unscientific poll of hobbies on social media, and people from uh, all over <laughs> responded that they were into baking, golf, photography, hunting, reading, composing and creating. We had crocheting and kitten cuddling, watercolors, fishing, and the what I've found and what I've seen is that there are three different um, aspects of hobbies that can remind us what's holy and what's real. And the first of that is creativity. So those creative hobbies remind us that we are not just machines producing work and accomplishing goals. We are created in God's image, and that means that we get to participate in this work of creation. We need to imagine alternate realities. We need to imagine new compositions and new ways of uh, putting pieces together. We get to create new possibilities. Uh, Singer-songwriter Sarah Groves talks about this in her song, Add to the Beauty. She says, I want to add to the beauty to tell a better story. I want to shine with the light that's burning up inside. It comes in small inspirations. It brings redemption to life and work, to our lives and our work. It comes in loving community. It comes in helping a soul find its worth. So we get to add to the beauty with sewing, with creating, with music, with these beautiful things that we are able to make. There's a second aspect of hobbies that I love, and that is connection. And some hobbies actually do both. They create and they cultivate connection. I don't know if any of you know Nancy Brown. She goes to our Melrose campus, and one of her hobbies is card making. Uh, and it really embodies this creativity along with connection. The cards that she makes are truly works of art, and if uh, she shares them with us at the church, and then we send them out into the community. And maybe you've received one of her cards, but they are absolutely, this is just like a handful that I picked off out of the stash that I had, but they are beautiful. They both are a work of art and a point of connection. 
the, uh, another ministry that we have that embodies this connection and uh, creativity is our prayer shawl group that Casey Strode has, has started up. So once a month, we gather and we work on prayer shawls and through knitting and crochet. And we, it's, so a prayer shawl is something that is given to someone who's in treatment or someone who has a chronic illness or someone who's just got a serious medical issue. Um, as we knit and crochet, we stitch into each stitch. We pray for the person. We pray that they would receive comfort and solace, celebration and joy through the gift. So this prayer is literally stitched into the shawl. And then when it's given to someone, it wraps them in those prayers. And uh, in the next slide, you'll see Abby Bailey is uh, this is. This is Abby. She is one of our participants in K2P2, Knit to Pray to. For knitters, it's K2P2 is Knit to Pearl to. Yeah, you get it. That's good. Uh, the, but Abby is someone who herself has chronic illnesses, and so she'll sit in a waiting room and crochet a prayer shawl that she can give to someone else. And it's both creative and it's connectional. So our hobbies often lend themselves to connection. You know, we go camping with family and friends. We play tennis with someone. Usually golf is with other people as well. Watching kids sports, there's people I know who are training for races and they do it in community with other people. Now, by far the most enthusiastic response to my query for sermon uh, illustrations was by Jennifer Coomer Johnson, who is an indie car series fanatic. And for the last two decades, she has followed it, and she just was, she, she wrote several paragraphs about how much she loves this series and how, how it is a point of connection. It's a marriage between tradition and innovation and uh, it's experience of community. And um, she did several posts and a TikTok about her lo great love. Like she loves it. Like I, it, was, it was impressive. And, and that also goes to how one of my favorite aspects of hobbies is choice, because we get to choose what we do, what we spend our pleasure, what we spend our leisure time on. We aren't coerced into it, and we're definitely not paid to do it. The goal of a hobby is to enjoy the activity. So as soon as we start it, we're doing the thing, right? We should be enjoying it. Hobbies remind us that it's about process and not completion. You don't have to be a competitive fisherman to enjoy the day fishing. It helps, but it's not the thing. It's the thing is the fishing, not the fish. Uh, the same thing with hunting. The same thing with collecting. Collecting is another example. You can collect music and enjoy listening to it. You don't have to be a good musician. You don't have to be a good musician to love music. You don't have to be a good dancer to love dancing. Uh, Hobbies give us a chance to dabble in different stuff. We can just try it out, see if we like it. We don't have to make the strong commitment to it, and you don't have to be great at it to enjoy doing it. You can just do it. Uh, the activities, they remind us that we don't always have to finish our projects in one sitting. And that's sometimes hard for me to remember, but whether it's woodworking or sewing, 
we can stop in the middle and pick it back up again. Um, I find this perspective really valuable in this world of tasks and projects and to-do lists. I feel very strongly often the temptation to mark, measure my success by whether I've completed the task. Um, but the success of hobbies is just in showing up and doing it, whether it's a blast or a total bomb, either way. But hobbies, and I don't know about you, my hobbies can sometimes go sideways. And so our challenge, my challenge, is to keep it about pleasure and not about performance or striving or producing. And something that I found so interesting is that this impulse to make our hobbies about being productive is actually baked into our experience of hobbies in this country. Leisure time wasn't really measured until after, so go back into history, after the Industrial Revolution, and then after the 40-hour work week, which only dates back to 1940. But in the history of hobbies, so here, this is, this is really interesting. Hobbies become most important and popular in the US during times of economic stress. So think about the Great Depression. It's counterintuitive to think that in the middle of this great economic, uh, economic crisis, in the midst of pressure and stress, that people would be saying, take up stamp collecting or woodworking. These would be lovely hobbies in the middle of this time of economic stress. And yet that is exactly what happened. Magazines and newspapers during this time period encouraged people to turn to hobbies and said that they should do a hobby because it's the job you can't lose. It's a job you can't lose. And so hobbies served as a reminder to people of productivity and of the ability to work in a time when people were afraid that they would never be productive or have employment again. So think back a few years to the beginning of the pandemic, the massive anxiety, and when people are not able to go to their jobs and when people are losing jobs. What hobbies did people turn to? We'll, we'll bracket Netflix and Tiger King, but baking, <laughs> There was a shortage of flour and yeast, knitting, cooking, woodworking. There's a shortage of lumber because people were doing, doing it themselves and doing woodworking. And other productive hobbies, almost as a way to treat the massive anxiety and stress and uncertainty. Guitar sales, for example, went through the roof. And my husband is only partly to blame having purchased a couple. But our country, this country, values productivity and economic prosperity. And sometimes we can use our hobbies to reaffirm those values. When I think back to my own experience with crafting and with sewing, when I was a stay-at-home mom, I wanted really badly just to accomplish something, to finish something and have it be done and not have to do it again in a few hours. I wanted to be productive. I wanted to feel good about myself. And I wanted to have something to show for it 
in a way, in a way that when all of my labor was inside the, the home, just doing the things to keep us alive, that I wanted something to show for it that was outside of that. And at least in a small part, like my sewing was a way to remind myself that I had value, that I have value as a creative, productive person. So our hobbies can be life-giving, but we see that baked into it is this notion that they should also be productive and remind us that we're productive people. And the same thing, hobbies can take over what happens when my hobby takes over my life, not just the dining room table, but the whole, my whole life. And I am unable to uh, focus on my family. What happens when my kids' athletic events keep me moving so quickly from one to the next thing that I don't get any rest? What happens when the goal of my sewing becomes showing off my final product and getting the affirmation from posting it on Instagram and feeling amazing about my amazing craft that I made? What happens when my hobby becomes another form of striving and another way of getting my sense of self-worth. So I wanna be clear, on the surface, there's nothing wrong with channeling the frustration that I feel over a bad day into making or accomplish, making something or accomplishing something. But do we really need to be productive in our spare time? Sometimes we need a break, and it's okay if our hobbies are completely unproductive, like Netflix sleeping, and I can't really see what's in there, but it's probably some sort of cooking, some sort of eating. The truth is that our hobbies can never meet our deepest needs and can never alleviate our secret anxieties. Hobbies can remind us that we're more than the money that we make and we're more than our productivity. We're more than the things that we perform. We're more than the likes on social media. We are called to connection and to creativity, and our hobbies at their best call us into these relationships and don't become a means to avoid them. The Gospel of John reminds us that Jesus came to give us abundant life, and that life exists because of our being, not our doing. So this press play is about being and not doing. Henri Nouwen says so beautifully, we are not what we do, we are not what we have, and we are not what others think of us. Coming home is claiming the truth. I am the beloved child of God, child of a loving creator. We no longer have to beg for permission from the world to exist. So at their best, hobbies remind us that just by showing up, we're doing the thing by sitting down to sew, picking up a guitar, turning on the race, we can find pleasure in our leisure time. And I'm so grateful for all of the people this week who have reminded me of all of the beauty there is in the world and that we can participate in and create. We can replenish our energy. We can restore our souls. And as with a hobby, uh, we can be reminded that just by showing up, just by coming home to claim the truth, we are doing the thing. We are God's beloved, and our worth exceeds the value of what we do. I want to close uh, with this blessing from Kate Bowler, and uh, the musicians can 
uh, this is our transition to the music. Okay, just want to name that. <laughs> I didn't want to say the line, if the musicians will come forward. <laughs> that was the line I was thinking. Okay. So let's, let's uh, just take a pause and pray this together. A blessing to take what you need. The feeder is empty again, and no one is claiming that the birds are greedy for taking what they pleased. Just look at how the fat pink flowers are weighing the end of each branch, sucking nutrients into each velvet petal. How selfish. Nature hungers, takes, and needs. God, why can't I? Blessed are we, learning to take what we need, sleeping past our alarms, reaching for another helping, staying a little longer when the evening is unwinding. Blessed are we, ignoring the rising anxiety that our needs are somehow silly because we've survived this long without the pleasure of this wanting. God, let these needs be the good sign of the greeting, greening of my life. Amen.